You're listening to sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com. I want you to go ahead and turn with me to Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus chapter 23. We're going to read a few verses of that in just a moment. I pray your time over Christmas was well spent. I've talked to a lot of people this year and that say Christmas was just a little wonky this year. You know, the weather, the, a lot of sickness. We had 13 people in my family back to back get stomach virus. It just kind of made its way around through. So it was a weird, it was a weird Christmas. Uh, although I feel like I haven't seen you guys in a year and I don't mean that metaphorically. I mean, I'm, you know, the whole, 2022, 23 thing. I mean, I, it's been a, a long week for us. My son, our son just started a new uh, ministry location today. You know, that he moved nine hours closer to us with that grandchild and the and one on the way. And so, um, and our daughter just, and her, our son-in-law just made it home yesterday. So we had, we had them in our house for a week, nursing some of them back to health over and over. Uh, but praise the Lord, we're back. Some of you were sick, some of you were traveling, and some of you are just sick of traveling. Or traveling sick, I don't know which it was. But I know what you did do this week, or the last couple of weeks. I know you ate. Did you eat food? Yes, you did, because you're here and you're not passed out right now. You ate plenty of it. Somebody baked a pie and somebody cooked a ham and made some dressing and you all partook of it. And uh, you may have even helped cook it. You probably sat around and talked about it. People, you know, when I started dating Vicky 31 years ago, uh, I had never been in a family that would eat breakfast. And while they're eating breakfast, they were talking about lunch and dinner. I'm like, who are these, these people? And it's after 28 years of marriage, it, it seems a lot less weird to me. You know, I've been brainwashed. And why not? The Bible certainly talks about food. The garden was full of food. It's necessary for life. It's a creation of the Lord. The greatest revelation of God to us is the Word of God. And the Word of God compares itself to food. <laughs> Psalm 119, verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And that's what we plan to do today. All right, we plan to feast on the Feast of the Lord. I'm going to start a little mini-series today uh, called The Feast, uh, which are about the Feast of the Lord in Leviticus. There's actually seven of them, eight if you're getting technical. Uh, they're the Sabbath day. Well, that's the one we're going to look at today. That's the weekly feast. The, the Passover feast, uh, which I believe is grouped together with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Uh, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, you may know that one as Yom Kippur, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. And we're going to be picking those apart over the next few weeks. And the word feast, uh, is it literally means appointed time. And so really feasting is more about a calendar than it is about eating, Right? Uh, we can't separate the word feast from the word time. They're one and the same. The feast of the Lord is to select a time to feast. And time is really what this little mini-series about, is about. The specific 
emphasis that God put on appointed times, festivals, and feasts. Times God commanded for his people to put on their Christian calendar. And I'm preaching to the choir today because it's New Year's and you guys somehow drug yourself out of bed to get here. Some of you were in bed at nine o'clock as always last night and some stayed up late, wild like me. Um, I'm just kidding. We, we, we did stay up past midnight watching a ridiculous movie in French with subtitles. Only later to find out that we could have watched it in English. <laughs> Happy New Year's. And I wasn't even intoxicated. All right. Psalm 90 verse 10 says the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Some of you in here are over that strength, you know. And since our time is limited, it doesn't, know, it doesn't matter how much we do in America and in the world of science, we can put rovers on Mars, but we can't extend our lives, can we? We try and we try, but the Bible's been true for millennia and it still is. Psalm 90 verse 10 says, the years of our life are 70 or 80. You're not gonna go much beyond that and it's a limited amount of time. Gordon Dahl wrote, most middle-class Americans tend to worship their work, work at their play, and play at their worship. As a result, their meanings and values are distorted, their relationships disintegrate faster than they can keep them in repair, and their lifestyles resemble a cast of characters in search of a plot. However, time can be on our side, right? <laughs> Y'all are about to sing it. Yes, it is. It can be. If we listen to the reminders from God's Word on how to govern it. Well, some of those reminders are found in Leviticus 23, and I want us to stand back up, if we can, in honor of God's Word. Leviticus 23, we're just going to read three verses there today. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are appointed feasts. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. I'm going to ask Hunter to, to play uh, as we, if we're able, uh, turn around where we're at and kneel uh, at, our, at our seats. I think a very fitting way to start this year off is on our faces, literally on our knees before God. Sometimes I literally do get on my face behind my desk in my office. I just lay prostrate before the Lord and, and cry out to Him. So if we're able, we're just going to spend a minute. You can pray with your families or pray in the silence of your own heart. And we're just going to spend a moment praying. And then I'm going to close that time of prayer.
there's no reason it shouldn't be. We really do want to feast on you. And we know we have to select times to do that. And, and in many ways, everyone that's in here have selected a time. Lord, but we, we want to ask you to bring more people to faith in this church than ever before this year. We're asking you to allow us to maybe send out missionaries again this year to support our missions more than we ever have, to give more than we ever have, to love more, serve more. God, we pray that the thing we seek most in life, peace and success, all those things, that we would find them in you. would be like reflexes of the kingdom of God in our hearts. We pray that you'd bless Piper and Baptist Church and the decisions we make and the way we spend your money and the way we teach the gospel, the way we lead in our small groups and from the nursery to the bed babies and the students, college, all our small groups, God, we pray that we would honor you more this year than we ever have before. We would be a ripple effect, a noticeable effect, not only in this church, but in our community. And we ask it in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you, Hunter. Now, before we go any further, we need to kind of explain what the purpose of the Sabbath is as regards to us today. And to do that, we have to go back to creation. Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Exodus 31, 13 says, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. And part of the purposes of the Sabbath are sanctification. Ezekiel 20, verse 20. And keep my commandment, my Sabbaths, holy, that they may be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. Jesus says in Mark 2, verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So whatever the Sabbath is, it is a law uh, worth keeping, not for salvation, but for the purposes of knowing God and being sanctified by Him. And all rest that God <laughs> gives to us is meant for our good. So the Sabbath is real, it's important, and it's good, but what is it? Well, there's actually several views, theological views of the Sabbath, and the first is known as Sabbatarianism. Sounds bad, but it's actually a, a part of the reason we worship on Sundays is this view that one day of the week should be reserved for the spiritual practice of worship. But in this view, followers of Christ are supposed to abstain from all labor except what's necessary for, for uh, society and for your family, you know, firemen and policemen and things like that and caring for the needs of your family. So this view teaches that the law can only be met on a literal Sabbath, the seventh day of the week. Seventh-day Adventists believe this and that it's Saturday. So we're not Sabbatarians. <laughs> uh, the second view is semi-Sabbatarianism, which is basically, you can trace this back to 300s A.D., uh, where Jesus' Jesus's followers believed basically the same as Sabbatarians, except that they transferred it 
from Saturday to Sunday. Instead of the last day of the week, it became the first day of the week because that's the day Christ arose from the dead. So the theologues of that era taught the, the practical identity of the Jewish Sabbath was the seventh day, Saturday, and the Christian Sabbath, the first day. But the Bible never mentions a Saturday Sabbath for New Testament believers uh, as some legalistic way. But we, we can see uh, some legalistic following of these rules, you know, no, like if you pick up a piece of paper, you're sinning. But we can see clear passages uh, that mention the first day of the week for worship, as in Sunday, in Acts 20, verse 7, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them. Matter of fact, there was a missions offering taken up on a Sunday uh, in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. Uh, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. So historically, and I've, there's plenty of other verses to substantiate this, but historically, Sunday, not Saturday, was the normal Christian meeting day dating back to the first century. But Sunday didn't replace Saturday by somehow becoming the Christian Sabbath all right, so we're celebrating worship today, but not as an Old Testament legalistic Sabbath. I know that's hard for us to get our minds around. Yes, the New Testament shows followers of Jesus meeting regularly for worship on Sundays, right? But you will not find a place where it says Sunday is now the Sabbath, the, the Christian Sabbath. Matter of fact, Christians should worship God all the time, and they did in the Old Testament. They had appointed times. Those appointed times were literally every day. <laughs> the, the New Testament church has a snapshot of itself in Acts 2.46, which we spent a whole series on recently, or last year. And uh, it says in verse 46, day by day, attending the temple together. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number... Day by day, those who are being saved. Now, we don't meet seven days a week. We could. The New Testament church did it. We meet two. And many, unfortunately, find that too great a task. <laughs> God help us. Uh, but though the Sabbath is worship, the call to gather and worship is not, a, not necessarily a Sabbath. It can be a Sabbath. It can be a day of rest if we make it one. And, and I know some of you think I've lost my mind right now, but I'm speaking the truth. I'm trying to explain to you what, what elements of the Sabbath we can keep for today. What does it mean for Christians today? Well, it means stop. Stopping or Sabbathing was part of the terms of the covenant given to Israel on Mount Sinai. Now, as followers of Christ, we're not legally required to observe a Saturday Sabbath. I think our study of Galatians makes that abundantly clear. But God's bought righteousness doesn't negate our goal of biblical righteousness. And so the Sabbath is still applicable today, not as a day of rule following, following but as a day of rest. Matter of fact, Hebrews 4.9 says, So then, that's in the New Testament, by the way, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Church, listen, we must appoint times for worship. For us, that's you know, Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings. But that's not all there is to the nature of a Sabbath because we, we should also appoint time for rest. Now, a Sabbath 
is more than the presence of personal pleasure. Some people think, oh yeah, I need a Sabbath, you know, a, a, a drink and a lawn chair on a beach. That's not necessarily a, a Sabbath. Vacations, by the way, aren't usually rest. I don't know if you've noticed this. <laughs> How many times have we said to each other, we need a vacation from the vacation. Lord, please let the children go back to school, right? You know, and, and there's, for starters, there Sabbaths, vacations are annual. For some of you, they're not, they're weekly, but most of us, they're annual. But a Sabbath is meant to be weekly. It's meant to be a, a vital thing for spiritual reflection and growth. A hot bath in a luxurious tub, uh, cruising through social media <laughs> is not a Sabbath rest. Deer stands and golf courses and date nights and nail salons and skiing trips aren't Sabbath rest. They're good. They may be good. They may be refreshing to your soul, but they're not what God meant by a biblical Sabbath. A Sabbath is also more, it's not just uh, the presence of pleasure. It's also more than the absence. It's, 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 not more, it's more than the presence of pleasure and more than the absence of work. In John 5, uh, we see Jesus healed a man in Jerusalem at the pool of uh, Bethesda. Uh, matter of fact, he'd been lame for 38 years, but the Jews were tricked, uh, or ticked, not tricked, ticked because he, he healed uh, this man on the Sabbath. And, and matter of fact, they got mad because the man they healed, that was healed took up his mat, and because he was taking up his mat after being healed, they were mad at him and began to criticize him. And Jesus there uh, said in John 5, 17, out of because of their persecution, he replied, my father is working until now, and I am working. <laughs> and that was on a Sabbath. And then in Mark 2, 23, one Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain and eat them, of course. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they going, doing what is law, not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did? When he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the, the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord over even the Sabbath. So Jesus wasn't sinning to heal on the Sabbath. The healed man wasn't sinning to take up his mat and, and walk because he was obeying God's command. David wasn't sinning to, to, for him to, and his men to take the showbread and eat it to refresh their bodies. Jesus' disciples weren't sinning to pick grain on the Sabbath. So if, it's, if the Sabbath is not the presence of pleasure and it's not the absence of work, then why, what are we, why observe it? Well, we wrapped up Galatians, which is how God's grace is the fulfillment of the law. But we need to be careful to note that the law still has a lot to teach. That's what the law is there for. So we don't just throw the law out, you know, the baby out with the bathwater. So the feast of the Old Testament have a great deal to, to reveal to us on the structuring, the, the planning of our time things we should be doing in 2023 and things we should stop doing. For as long as I can remember, P. 
people have had uh, New Year's resolutions. And, and ironically, most of those revolve around the word stop, right? Stop eating unhealthy food. Stop eating so much food. Stop sitting around and go get a gym membership. Stop spending money you don't have. Stop wasting time. Stop, stop, stop. Most of our <laughs> New Year's resolutions have that word built into it. But we can't do it, can we? We can't, we just can't stop. <laughs> we, we've got too much to do, too many bills to pay, too many vacations to plan, too many ball games and fishing trips and projects and people to please. So we don't stop. And we won't stop. And God knew this. <laughs> he knows his people. He created us. He gave us a free will and he knows what we'll do with that free will. And so he knows we're going to fight and we're going to strive literally until we break our bodies and our relationships and sometimes our own sanity, never fully reaching that thing we wanted. <laughs> so God built in a stop sign and he called it the Sabbath. Sabbath literally means stop. At the Problem of Evil conference uh, last month, we learned that when God says, be still and know that I'm God, you know, sometimes we just think of that as us easing onto the back porch with a cup of hot coffee and a little morning devotional, right? This, just us getting quiet with the Lord, which is good. But at the conference, someone said, sometimes when God says, be still, he just means shut up. Stop talking. Stop thinking and listen to me. Ponder the words. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth, right? <laughs> Stop, shut up. And I think spiritually speaking, I, I kind of see the nature of the Sabbath as similar to that thought, not of words, but for actions. Stop doing <laughs> and rest. And I, I know some of you are just over the flu or stomach virus and, or the Christmas chaos and you think, man, all I need is rest. Well, God actually commands re uh, sleep as well, but that's not what I'm talking about in a Sabbath rest. It's an appointed time. It makes me think of all the pauses in, in certain songs. You know, in music theory, they call these rests. There's a rest. We actually have a picture of one uh, up here. That's a rest. Now, y'all may not know what that is. Look, four beats of silence, a whole rest. We even have these things on our phones now, don't we? Then your phone or your little iWatch tells you to breathe. That's hilarious. It's, it's a, hey, breathe, you know? And it never does it when you're like in the middle of an argument with somebody where you really need to breathe. It does it when you're already laying on the couch. Breathe, yeah, I got that one, I got it, all right. Never does it at the right time. There's no music in a rest, but there is rest in the music. And in the album of our lives, our music is broken off in various places by rests. And these rests or pauses aren't the end of the song. Matter of fact, they're often the, the, they often lead to the crescendo of the song to something great. And when God set our lives in motion by literally giving us breath, God breathes life into all man, he ordered and designed the rest, not rest away from him, but rest for him, unto him. A musical rest, by the way, 
without the song of a life in service to God around it is nothing more than worthless silence. When I'm talking about silence, Sabbath is more than just silence. George Fox was a well-known Quaker in the 1900s. And while I don't agree with every doctrine of the Quakers um, or everything that George Fox believed, he, was, uh, he did seem to be a godly man. And by the way, if you're wondering where Quaker gets its name from, some of you may know this little tidbit of trivia, but in 1650, George Fox, no relation to me that I know of, uh, was arrested for blasphemy, probably obviously a false accusation. But the judge mocked him because in his trial, he said that men needed to fear and tremble at the word of God. And so he called him a Quaker because he trembled at the word of God. And if a Quaker is someone that trembles at the word of God, then I'm a Quaker. <laughs> All right, and, but anyway, Fox once said, carry some quiet around inside you. Be still in thine own mind and spirit from thine own thoughts, and then thou wilt feel the principle of God to turn thy mind to the Lord from whence cometh life, whereby thou mayest receive the strength and power to allay all storms and tempests. Tempest. Some of you aren't handling chaos well because you don't handle, you don't have a Sabbath. Church, listen, are and are, are not optional. Rest shouldn't be seen as a luxury. It should be seen as a spiritual necessity for growth and maturity. We need it because you know the old saying, if we don't come apart, we'll come apart, right? The Sabbath was always meant, regardless of how you interpret it for us today, it was always meant for rest and time with God, a fact seen throughout Scripture. In Exodus 16, 23, God told the people to gather enough for two days on the sixth day. And this is the nature of the Sabbath, people. This is it. Gather, he was given manna to them. He says, gather enough on the sixth day so you can rest on the seventh. But in verse 27, what they do in Exodus 16? On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none because God didn't give you any. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And that's not meant to be some legalistic, you know, uh, COVID, you know, uh, restriction. This is meant to, to not legalistically, but for you to depend on the Lord. To begin the new year, we need to stop. Not for an annual vacation, but regularly. Schedule it in to our week. We need appointed times of rest. And these aren't original with me. Some of them are, are you know, but I'm, I've woven these in to, to some other things I've read. But I want to give you some summaries why we need to appoint a time to obey God's command to Sabbath. Why should we still participate in a Sabbath? Not with legalistic rituals and rules like, you know, picking up a paper. Oh, no, I've sinned. Not in that sense, but to stop and rest. Number one, Sabbath reminds us that God created us and knows what's best for his creation. Genesis 2.2. And on the seventh day, uh, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done. Exodus 31.12-17 says the same. 
Now again, we're freed from the law, but if the law was there to teach us and lead us to Christ, then resting from our normal work pace is a declaration of full dependence on the Creator to provide. That's, that's even the point of a tithe, giving of your first fruits. It's to show God, I trust you with my finance, with my provision. I trust you to provide in six days what I need for seven. Can we not do that? We've trusted God in our little minuscule life to provide for us in this life everything we need for the next eternity. Surely we can trust him with our time. Number two, the Sabbath is one of the first things God blessed. Right? We mentioned this already, but Genesis 2, 3 says, so God blessed the seventh day. Church, in 2023, we need to take note of the things God blessed. What were the things God blessed? Besides, when, when rest increases, want often decreases. You know the reason we have two working people in every family, the reason we have uh, so little rest is because we have so much greed. We just want more. We want another project. We want another vacation home. We want a piece of land. We want a new car. We want too much. And it's why we don't rest. And that's why we're not close to Jesus because we don't give him enough time. And we just keep thinking it's gonna carve itself out. It won't. Your greed won't stop till you die or till you take it away. And for some of you, that may mean moving into a smaller home. I grew up in a 600 square foot home with the happiest parents on this planet. And they're still the happiest people I know in the world, including me. They're happier than me on a daily basis. They serve more. They give more, percentage-wise. And they're the happiest people I know. And they live in the smallest home of anyone in this church that I know. Now we've added on. It's an 850-square-foot house now. Any of you live in something smaller than that? We've got to learn to rest. We've got to pay attention to the things God bless. Number three, the Sabbath remembers the exodus from Egypt. Deuteronomy 5.12 says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. Do you remember a story of rescue in your life? And it may not just be salvation, but a story that you can only credit to God. When I was 19 years old, I was, all I wanted to do was pay off my car and get married. <laughs> I had a truck, actually. And uh, I was working double shifts at FedEx. I would go in in the morning. I knew managers that worked night shift. My normal shift was days. And so I'd say, hey, man, I want to get some hours tonight, get that time and a half, right? And so I also had a lawn service. So I would drive my trailer, my lawn trailer, to FedEx, work all day, get off three or four in the afternoon, go rake yards, because it was the fall at this time that I'm telling you this story. And then I would go home, rest a minute, go back and work nights till three or four in the morning, and then come home exhausted. And one night I was supposed to be in my truck, but it was low on gas, I was running late, so I asked my dad if I could borrow his car. And his car was an old Maxima, in line straight six had a long hood on it which is going to be vital to this story i'm coming home i'm exhausted i'm in a car instead of my truck and i'm listening to bing crosby's 
Christmas album, and it happened to be on the song Miki Kaliki Naka is a nice way to say Merry Christmas to you. Probably why I fell asleep. And this is what happened because of that. You got a picture of this? See that wall? That's Graham and Tutwiler. You can go see that wall. I bought it for $7,500. <laughs> I woke up. I, I got off at Graham off of Sam Cooper Boulevard. was coming up over Summer Avenue. And I, fell, I remember, you know how you can anticipate the light? It's yellow, and you know yours is about to turn green. That's the last thing I remember. Fell asleep, leaned down on the gas pedal. Out. Went across four lanes this way. Four lanes this way. Thank God it was four in the morning and nobody saw me. And I ran a stop sign and hit a curb. And I woke up in a millisecond before I hit that wall. I knew it was like time froze. And I knew everything I'd done. And for some, that's just a, a story of, of uh, overwork and misfortune. But for me, it is, a, it is a time of remembrance. When I put debt before divinity, I remember striving to get my bills paid while neglecting my relationship with the Lord, and that was the discipline of God in my life. I see that clearly. You can call it what you want, but should have been the totaling of my truck and the totaling of me because if I'd been in my truck, it was more flat on the front. It, the, the concrete would have come through my windshield. But because I was in that low car, that hood, there's pictures somewhere. My dad couldn't find them. My dad stayed up trying to find that picture for me yesterday. But it creased that hood like an envelope right over the, the windshield so that all those, you can see the indentions of those, that concrete on that hood that should have come through that windshield and killed me, but didn't. From, uh, in many ways, that was my exodus of sorts, you know. From my own slavery of bad priorities into Christ strengthening my faith. Why do we need appointed times of rest? Because God's our creator, and he said we need it. It's one of the first things he blessed. It remembers the rescue of the Lord. And fourth, uh, the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day uh, to keep it holy. And, and remember, Jesus said, don't murder. Uh, but I say, he said, the law says, don't, don't murder, don't murder a man. But I say, don't hate a man, because that's like murder. So the nature of the law was more than just the legalistic ritual of it. And that's the way it is with the Sabbath. Number five, Jesus and his disciples observed the Sabbath. Mark 1.21, Luke 4.16, I won't read these to you. But if Jesus appointed times for himself, then it's not a bad example for us to follow. And by the way, he also stole away privately to pray with the Lord. Uh, number six, Paul observed the Sabbath in Acts 13 and in Acts 18 verse 4. Uh, number seven, the Sabbath will be honored in the millennial kingdom to come. Isaiah 66, 23, from new moon to new moon, from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. Number eight, the Sabbath is a delight, not a burden. It's meant to be. Isaiah 58, verse 13, we're not supposed to sit around wringing our hands thinking about what we're not getting done. <laughs> That's not the point of the Sabbath. Isaiah 58, 13 says, If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure. Now, this sounds weird. You're not seeking your own pleasure or talking idly. Then you shall take delight in the Lord, 
And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. Sabbath is meant to replace earthly, temporary pleasures, fleeting pleasures, with eternal, glorious pleasure of God. Eternal pleasure. Number nine, the Sabbath is an act of faith. It's a declaration that I trust God more than man. It's trusting God with my finances. Sabbath is literally an act of spiritual sabotage against greed and want. You want to get rid of greed and want in your life? Start practicing the Sabbath. (laughs) It declares my priorities. It declares my intimacy with Jesus. It declares the value I place on my own personal soul care. And it breeds healthy habits into our children. Because any act of faith has a thunderous effect on those around us. It's like seeing a lightning bolt in the distance and counting the seconds to see how many miles away it is. That's what your patience and your Sabbaths do for your children. And finally, probably the best reason to observe the Sabbath, and I'll close with this. The Sabbath represents a lifestyle of devotion to God. Knowing a Sabbath is coming every week requires the practical reorganization of our time around Christ. If I know that's coming, then I've got to get things done more efficiently. You want to be efficient, how about have a Sabbath? You might find yourself to become more efficient. Hebrews 4.10 says, For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. I'll close with Colossians 2.16. Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. Meaning in a legalistic sense. Oh, you didn't keep a Sabbath, you did. No, that's not the way it's meant to be. Verse 17, these, meaning the festivals, the new moon, the Sabbath, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Christ is the substance of a Sabbath. It's not just sleeping It's not just luxury vacations, right? It's Christ. Friend, if we will let the substance of our calendars begin with a stop, we'll have a better year. Before we start 2023, we need to appoint weekly times to stop. We shouldn't live to work or be chained to routine. And Sabbath is God's plan to break that routine. Refresh our souls in Him. And if we do this, we may just find God providing in one day everything we need for two. Double down. Amen? 50%, 100%, 200% isn't a bad return on your investment. But you're not trusting God with it, and you don't know why there's so much chaos in your life because you haven't trusted. Same way with giving. You know, God says, test me in this. See if I won't provide. So it's not until you provide. When, when the Israelites were about to cross the, the, the Jordan River, he said, when, when the priest puts his foot in the river, that's when I'm going to part it. And some of you have never stepped into the river of the Sabbath. So you've never seen God part it. And you can do that. Would you stand? Father God, we pray that 2023 would begin with a stop. Not a one stop, but a weekly stop. Lord, of course, people, Oxes are going to be in ditches. We're going to have to help people in need. We're going to have things that, that break our Sabbath. But God, we, 
we need to be intentional. Not legalistic, but overwhelmingly intentional about carving out a Sabbath. God, in many ways, because of social media, because of TVs, Netflix, and, and Hulu, and Prime, and a gazillion other apps that are invading our lives, including ball games and, and so many other sporting events and social activities. We have this response, we feel this responsibility to please man over you. And we just don't guard our, ourselves. Sometimes we do need to get up on a Sabbath and go to a birthday party to love on a family member. I'm not, I don't want us to be legalistic, God. But God, if we don't start carving out these appointed times, we're not honoring your word. One of the 10 foundational commandments of the entire universe was a Sabbath. And it's not all lost in grace. God, help us not to let grace steal us our Sabbath away, our rest, our stopping to depend on you. And I pray, God, if there's people in here today, anyone that hasn't stopped in their flesh striving to win heaven by some other means other than Jesus, that they would stop today. Cry out to Jesus and be saved, be rescued. If others need to make, what a great day to make uh, this church your home, a place to serve. Uh, there's no better rest than serving at a church and then going home for an afternoon siesta on a Sunday afternoon. To know we've served you well, God. We want to serve you well. And I pray that the members, people that come to join our church would understand that and look for their place of service here. Whatever the decision is, we pray we would make that now in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Sermon Audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com.